Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Craig F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is August the 12th, 2019. We are reading from the big book, and we are at page 47, the second paragraph that starts, we need to ask ourselves. Uh, Today's readers are... uh, Kathy S. for the 12 Steps, Anita B. for the 12 Traditions, Melissa C. for the text, Cindy D. for their closing, and Allison L. for backup. Uh, our newcomer greeters, Renee, and our second hour host is Leslie M. Um, I lost my place reading all that stuff. Um, the reference number for uh, yesterday, special edition, is 13,000. 263. Um, The uh, OA preamble states that Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive eating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now gonna ask Kathy S. to read the 12 steps. Hi, good morning, Craig. This is Kathy S., compulsive overeater from Maryland. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked ourselves to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to all of them. Nine, made direct amends to such persons whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for the knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Finally, 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our paths. Thank you very much. Okay, now we have Anita B. reading the 12 Traditions. 
Uh, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting others. Each group has but one primary purpose. Suffers. It's an AA group. A name. Side enterprise. of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. And every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the AA not ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Okay, Anita, thank you. Um, how our meeting works. Uh, our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions of the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except for the speaker, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 47 with the second paragraph that begins, we need to ask ourselves. I'm now going to ask Melissa C. to begin our reading. Hi. Thank you, Craig. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive reader in New York. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there is a power greater than myself? As soon as a man can say that he does believe, or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. Okay. So, um... Yeah, Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, it's it's a very simple question. You know, when I look at this, it's like, okay. And it's actually, I know it says it's, it's one question, but it's kind of two. And um, I can look at it like um, almost like a flow chart, you know. Um, 
because I, I, I like little diagrams. I think for me it's very helpful. Um, you know, and so it's two questions. Do I now believe? And um, you might answer no. Like there was a time when I said nope. Um, but then here's like the entry point, you know, or am I even willing to believe? And um, and if both of those are no, you know, if I look at that flow chart, so then I see an arrow, you know, pointing to go back to food, you know, um, and, you know, and then I, I'm presented with this question again. Okay, now, now do you believe? And are you even willing to believe? And, um, you know, so like if I look at my history, um, no, there was times I did not believe. Like I, I had evidence or what I believed was evidence to show me that uh, there's no power for me to believe in. You know, and um, and I think a lot of us have that. We have our own personal um, struggles, and um, and I kept trying to intellectualize to figure out a God that I could make sense of in in the world of having gone through difficult times. And you know, and and so for me, the second part of the question was really my entry point. You know. Um, and it was what I overlooked, you know, and, and the key word there is willing. And I know that we hear, um, that willingness is overrated and, and it is, you know, if you sit by and do nothing, but hope that willingness happens, but we're also told that a cornerstone, you know, this incredible cornerstone of which the structure can be built is on willingness. And, you know, so I think it's important for me to, like, look at what is willingness and how do I cultivate willingness and how how is the spirit of willingness created? And, um, you know, and so uh, willingness, you know, in my, my experience is it's a combination of personal hopelessness, you know, which the disease and eating does a really good job of convincing, and and one part hope, and that's, I think, the job of the recovered people, you know, um, I became willing because my back was pressed against the wall. I had no other options. And, um, and I think like, and I had the fortune of this healthy meeting and healthy, happy, recovered people demonstrating that they were living in freedom, you know, and, and, and I'll just quickly close and say, you know, God was like the last person I invited to the dance, and he didn't care. He was happy to be my last choice. Um, it didn't have to be anything I understood, um, and that everything began once I just said, okay, I'm willing. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Okay, Melissa, thank you very much. Um, all right, we're going to uh, start taking names to share um the uh would ask you if you shared thursday or friday to uh maybe allow uh, other voices there'll be 400 or so people on here this morning um to to come forward so uh who would like to share on the paragraph that we just read harlan g katie g from boston Nessa r all right i got harlan katie and Nessa. Larry. Jennifer W. What was that, W? Jennifer W. Jennifer W. Len P. from <laughs> California. Larry. All right. Larry K. Harlan. Larry. 
Cindy. All right, that's all right, Becky. That's it. Let's um, uh, go ahead and get started. Harlan, get us going. Thank you very much, Craig. Thanks for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. In November of 1934, Bill Wilson is sitting in his kitchen drunk. He has re-triggered the allergy on the 11th of November, 1934. He takes a drink. He is drinking again. He's been hospitalized twice for his alcoholism. He knows what the problem of alcoholism is. He got it from Dr. William Silkworth. Dr. Silkworth told Bill that his problem was a twist of the mind and an allergy of the body. But Bill does not have a solution for that problem. He has step one with no step two. Ebby Thatcher, a childhood friend, an alcoholic, comes to see him in November of 1934. Ebby does not know the problem. Ebby knows nothing of the allergy of the body. He knows nothing of the twist of the mind. Ebby is sober. Bill is drunk. Ebby went into the Oxford group in September of 1934. And from September to October, October to November, he now has two months of sobriety for the only time in his adult life thus far. And on page 12 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it will tell me in italics, it was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. I saw that growth could start from that, from that point. Upon a foundation of complete willingness, I might build what I saw in my friend. Would I have it? Of course I would. So this question here on page 47 is the blood and guts of step two. The steps are divided into four sections. Admission, step one. Submission, steps two through seven. And this is the guts of submission. The other two, uh, other two are restitution, steps eight and nine, and reconstruction, 10, 11, and 12. Do, what I need to ask myself is a short question. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power, capitalized, greater than myself? And for many of us, we have a belief that there is a power greater than ourselves, but we see that power as adversarial to us. We see that power as an enemy. We see that power as someone who's trying to hurt us. And so recovery becomes much more difficult. I need to formulate a power greater than myself that I am willing to believe in. So for many people, including me, it is not the matter of being is having that belief. It is a matter of having that belief in a power greater than myself that I am going to choose. And so many of us, so many of us, excuse me, are paralyzed there. If I have a God or a power greater than myself or whatever I choose to call that that is adversarial to me, that doesn't work for me, then it must go. Then it must go. Do I believe or am I willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? And when I'm willing to believe that I'm not the be-all and the end-all, that I didn't create this universe, that there's indeed a power greater than myself, then I can start acting upon that and then the belief grows. 
And with that, I must take action. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Okay, Harlan, thank you very much. Um, Katie G, your turn. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, my fellow. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. And I, I chuckled when I read this this morning because I am not a simple person. I don't want to ask myself one short question. What have I been using to fix my life, my entire life? Like complications. Like I just want to sit in a deserted barn and think, right? Like I want to, I want to use my mind to figure out how am I going to be powerless? And I want to use my mind to create a power um, that's big enough to, to solve my solution. And so I'm going to make want ads and, you know, all this stuff. And what I love is it just says, you know what, Katie? Is there, or, or are you able, are you willing to believe that, that this power exists? And what a, 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 um, a recovered teacher taught me recently is if I have fully accepted powerlessness, right, then my willingness is there. My willingness is there. So when I got there, most recently with exercise bulimia three and three quarter years ago, you know, I was like, yes, ma'am, there's got to be. Because why? Because I, I can't. Because if there isn't, it doesn't even matter because I'm in so much pain. Because my mind has brought me so much pain with this exercise bulimia over and over and over and over again that I don't even care. It's got to work. It's got to work. I have no other options. No other options. And then it says it's a simple cornerstone. You know, there's no chapter in the big book um, called Into Thinking, Into Complicating. And I still want to use my intellect to solve my problems. I mean, as a recovered woman today, I have to be so careful. If I do a step 10, am I willing to believe that there is a power greater than me that can take me deeper with this character defect that I'm falling short with? Or, or do I need to do the step 10 100 times to intellectualize and theorize on the psychological implications of where that step 10 arose and blah, 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 right? And I'm not saying psychology doesn't have its place. It certainly does. But for me, you know, my first sponsor said, Katie, I ask you what time it is, and you tell me how to make a clock, right? Like I want to talk and talk and talk. Thank God for this timer that's only giving me 34 more seconds, right? So the foundation of my life is, Katie, are you desperate? Are you desperate? Are you willing? Are you desperate to just see? Because, you know, it's worked for all of us. And thank you, God, that I can just come back to this simple structure that is the entire foundation of my life. No power, right? Lack of power is my dilemma. And therefore, what has to be my solution? Access to power. But I'm never, ever, ever going to be that power. And please, God, help me remember that for these 24 hours. And with that, I pass. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Good timing. Nessa R., your turn. Hi. Thank you. Good morning. Vision for you. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. What spoke to me this morning is this sentence. Um, oh, I just lost it. Okay, here. Um, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. And the reason why he speaks to me is because he's on his way, but he's not there yet. Um, and in my own experience, I 
I, uh, this was my pitfall. I thought, okay, um, I've always believed in God. I never believed that he would help me with the food. But now I'm willing to believe that he can and will help me with the food. So how come he's not helping me with the food yet? You know, how come I cannot feel God? How come I'm still obsessed with the food? How come I'm still, you know, um, you know, thinking about it 24-7? How come I'm still white-knuckling? Um, and the fact is that he is on his way. He's not there yet. Well, the only thing that I've done in step two is identify the solution. I'm not availed yet of the solution. It's like saying, you know, my dishwasher broke down and identify the solution as, okay, i got to call the repairman, that doesn't immediately, magically make my dishwasher um, work again. i got to dial the repairman. i got to make an appointment. He's got to come. He's got to fiddle with it. You know, i got to pay him, you know, like all these things. You know, then my dishwasher will work. And it's the same thing here. Um, you know, unless my conclusion that I need this solution is followed with action, um, I don't have the solution at all. You know, I'm just on the way there. Um, the solution I don't have until step 11. Um, you know, because there's so many things I got to do to unblock me from that solution. I am so blocked uh, from God, by, firstly by the food, which by step two, it should be down and should no longer be a block. But then I'm blocked from the solution by myself. You know, my worldly clamors, my little plans and designs, my selfishness, my self-seeking, my self-centeredness, my dishonesty, my fears. I got to deal with all of that. And until I do that, um, just knowing the solution doesn't uh, really help me in any way. I mean, I got to take the action. Um, but once I do, then that solution is such an immensely better solution than anything my mind could have thought um, you know, I, I've been seven and a half years in a normal body. Um, I go summer to summer to summer. I still marvel at the fact that I don't have to buy any new clothes. My old summer clothes still fit. They still look good. Um, but more importantly, my mind is clear. I don't, I don't spend my days uh, fighting everything and everyone. Um, but I have to take action. Um, conclusions must be followed by immediate and swift and strenuous action. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. All right, next we have Jennifer W. Jennifer? Hi there, this is Jennifer, a compulsive overeater calling in from Sweden in recovery. Can you hear me? Yes, fine. Good, good, good. good. Uh, thank you so much for um, this, um, that we're reading the, the uh, we agnostic. I love uh, listening and hearing about uh, how other people see higher power, and I guess it's a pretty uh, difficult subject because it's so personal to everyone. But still, we have things that we can do, like tools to build it up. And one of the tools is that you just have to be willing, and that's um, it's nice because um, like. Since I got to program, I've been in program for almost 10 years, but I haven't been willing. And um, I have had a really hard time listening, actually. And uh, since I got there, I've seen these, what they say, repeatedly proven. It has been repeatedly proven among us. And I've actually seen people like 
growing in this program and uh that's a miracle and uh also i i i found that when i got to a vision for you i could hear that there were so many people taking this disease seriously um working because what i understand is you need to take action and sometimes if you have like um you have an addiction which is maybe heroin you're you're doing it really like your hair is on fire but sometimes which i find here in sweden that sometimes it's it is not as serious with the flu you don't die from it as quick so then you don't really maybe do what you need to do to take care of your disease and that's really sad because then you will have a life which i've heard like repeatedly and and um like i thought about when i listened to kdg the 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 crazy mind and um you're you're miserable and 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 just the fact that you can actually get like a spiritual structure you can build up something and, and grow in this program that's really really beautiful so i'm i'm really proud and grateful to be part of a vision for you and uh to be listening to others because I've been doing it my own way all these like 10 years and has it worked? No. So uh, now I'm, I'm, I realize that my way is not the best and it's really good to listen to others and to find my higher power and how that would look like to me. So thanks a lot. Okay, thank you, Jennifer. All right, uh, Lynn P. Lynn? Your turn. This is Len P. from sunny California, and um, I'm happy to be on the line uh, at 4 o'clock. And I'll tell you, <clears throat> power greater than myself. Am I willing to have it? And, you know, the way I was brought up, you know, I was brought up, you know, I was told uh, early on by my higher powers at the time, which were my parents, that I could do anything. And I internalized that. I internalized that message. So the idea of a higher power um, was something that um, I didn't internalize. I didn't internalize this message uh, early on. And it set me on a trajectory of self-propulsion. So self-propulsion, well, it, you know, it got me a lot of things. It got me uh, educated, um, got me uh, financial success. It got me a lot of things. But what it didn't get me is when uh, there would be a challenge that I could not um, overcome, um, it got me frustration. It got me um, all kinds of uh, 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 angst and, and worry because when there was a problem I couldn't solve, remember I was dealing with self-propulsion and, and operating on self-propulsion, um, I would turn to an addiction. It didn't matter what the addiction was, but it was an addiction to run away from the idea of that I wasn't a higher power, that I wasn't omnipotent, that I wasn't able to solve everything. And something as simple as food, uh, well, food was what I used to run away from this idea of failure. <clears throat> so, you know, uh, what happened was, uh, you know, I finally got beaten down to a point where I was willing to say, wait a minute, maybe I am not the end all uh, of everything. And maybe I don't have the power to get myself out of things. And I really saw my growth and program 
uh, go to, you know, full acceleration when I fully embrace the idea of a higher power and that of my own understanding. The higher power of my upbringing spoke a foreign language. It was uh, riddled in all kinds of uh, ceremony and all kinds of stuff that scared me as a little child. And I wasn't in an environment that um, was conducive to that uh, religious upbringing. And uh, I actually found my higher power in OA. And my higher power, uh, you know, has a sense of humor. My higher power is something I could turn to. My higher power is all loving and uh, is all supportive. And it gently, my higher power gently nudges me in the right direction. And I turn to my higher power. I have faith that my higher power has my back. <clears throat> and this is what is critical. You know, the fact that when I'm facing life challenges, um, I can turn to that higher power. So with that, I'll close. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Okay, we got uh, Larry Kay coming next. Larry? Thanks, Craig, for your service. Appreciate that. Uh, the... Um, you know, the, the, do we now believe or are you willing to believe in a fairy godmother? No. I, I do not currently believe, nor, I, nor am I ever willing to believe in the presence of what I know is pure fantasy. And if that be the case, then I better change the question. You know, what am I willing to believe in? What am I willing to believe in? You know, in order to come to this place of surrender, my intellect needs to be, um, as Leah often says, I love it, dethroned. My intellect needs to be dethroned. Step two, never required that I believed anything. Rather, was I open to the notion that some force, however improbable that force, that that force could restore me to sanity. And in that space, I came to believe through a process of dethroning, where each of these steps, serve to cast aside old ideas, the old fears, the old perceptive fog. And that stuff was replaced with new instincts where I was, you know, new dependence on a source of all power. See, a spiritual transformation is not something we possess. It's something that unfolds. And often it begins to take root when we least expect it. And I was helped by some reminders that still guide me today. I was told not to get stuck on the words in the big book. Instead, focus on the experience that the words point towards. In other words, to do this, to work the steps, it would be essential that, yes, I put the food down, certainly. But also, I, I was advised to leave the emotional thermometer home. You know, in other words, to refrain from, you know, the act of taking my emotional temperature from moment to moment to minute to minute as if that was the barometer of my worth or my beliefs or the validation that I'm progressing in the steps. And that was false. You know, the moment we stop trying to use this divine program to get an effect, to get an outcome scripted by me, well, that, my friends, you know, is, is a level of freedom and surrender that is miraculous. You know, I think of a, a child learning how to swim. Step one, you know, get in the water. Step two, you, you see all those kids over there in the deep end? Yeah, that's going to be you. But I'm scared. I, I don't know how to swim. Maybe I'll drown. I'm, I'm swallowing water. Help me. Don't worry. All those kids over there once felt just as you did. 
just as you do now. And, you know, when you really come to believe you can swim, well, if you trust me, we have some steps that you'll take before you, and before you know it, you'll be, you'll be swimming in the deep end, and then you'll know what they know. It's funny, we don't spread this way of life by use of a sword. We get spread through demonstration. It's spread through demonstration and how we live, right? I pass. Thanks so much. All right. Next up, we have Becky M. Becky? Becky, we can't hear you if you're there. Did you mean Cindy M? Well, that if that's you, if that was you were the last one, then go ahead, Cindy. Okay, thank you. That was me. Um, this is Cindy M, recovered compulsive overeater in Campbell, Pennsylvania. Thank you for your service, Craig, and um, everybody who's helping to do this meeting. I um, I had a higher power when I came into this group and or into this. Yeah, and um, so I just kind of thought I could skip right by, um, you know, step two and three because I thought I had turned my will and my life over to my higher power. But I found out really that I was an agnostic. I didn't know what I didn't know. And um, God has, you know, if I look for God, and that's what I call God, um, I... I can see him all around me. I can, you know, this morning I had a phone call with a sponsee at 6 a.m. And usually I wake up at 5 and I woke up at 2 minutes of 6. And I think, okay, God, thank you so much. That was such a blessing to, you know, wake up in time. And, um, and you know, when I look around and I see, you know, just simple little things, I, I see God. You know, he blesses me with birds and, you know, butterflies and, you know, just just being able to walk. I, I have a herniated disc right now, and I feel like a fat blob because I've had to be kind of very careful and not doing any real exercise, and um, I'm sticking to my food plan, and I'm believing that I'm okay, and, um, and you know, one day at a time, I'm getting better, and I, this has been going on for uh six weeks now and I'm being patient and I'm an exercise instructor so I'm really used to being very um active and but I'm peaceful because I know God has me and um so yes I had to do steps two and three and I have to really do them pretty often. I always believe in a power greater than myself but for each circumstance I have to kind of turn it over again. And then again, and again. And thank God food isn't the problem today. And he, um, but, you know, for everything that comes up, God has me. I just have to remember that. And I'm not in despair today, and that's a miracle. And I'm able to just say, okay, God, if you have some other new direction for me in life than being an exercise instructor, okay, I'm, you know, I know whatever you have for me is better than what I think I want so I can just hand it over and that's really hard because I really love doing that but I know that God has me and um, he has really taken away my desire to eat foods I'm not supposed to eat and 
and given me peace around my food plan and given, I mean, it's recovery. It's just wonderful. But I have to do it one day at a time. And every day I have to say, who am I going to reminder. Thank you. And that's what I wanted to say. So I pass. Thank you for listening. All right. Great. Thanks, Cindy. Sorry I messed your name up. Okay. No problem. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a new list. Um, if you haven't shared in the last couple of days, uh, we'd like to hear from you. You know, um, Ida? let's have a, have a variety of voices. Vasa got Ida? O. Vasa O. Lorraine A. Carmel. Lorraine K. Carmela. Janice PM. Janice. Mm-hmm. Ida A. Ida, you were the first one, I think. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Unless there's two Idas. All right, Dawn anybody F. else? Don. Okay, well, let's see if we can get all these in. Um, okay, Ida. Uh, also, I just want to remind everybody that we're sharing on page on the par- second paragraph on page 47. We need to ask ourselves. So, um, Ida, go ahead. Well, thank you so much, Craig, and thanks, everybody, for being here. I have um, struggled the bulk of my life with this exact piece, and so the word that jumps out to me is effective. And God bless Harlan. Wow, did you speak to me today. So, so I have seen God as a punitive God. And that is not effective on a spiritual journey. That's just not effective. So, so having a God that is adversarial, that, that hates me, that wants to punish me, is the old filter that sometimes I'm unaware I still put on and it and it keeps me in a place on those days where life isn't great because it's not effective and it's dishonest and all of you wonderful visionaries have helped me see that the God of my own understanding is not mean and cruel and punitive the God of my understanding once I take the filter off, is kind and loving and compassionate. The effective God of my own understanding is patient and humorous and and present and present where my feet are and is interested in me and interested in my journey. But I've, I've spent half a century with that adversarial God. And it is a journey to keep the filter off. I, I can take it off, and all of a sudden I realize I have it back on. So effective spiritual, that cornerstone to stay in a loving way and not transfer back into my disease requires me to suit up and show up and have a daily discipline that involves all of you so I don't get off my, off my being and involves working the steps and involves having a sponsor and all of that has to be done without the food because the food brings back the mean God. And it really is a simple formula, but for the bulk of even working this journey, my God wasn't effective. My, my, 
creative intelligence wasn't effective. And I'm so blessed to know that I too can have a loving creator. Thanks for letting me share and I pass. Okay, thank you, Ida. Vasa, oh, your turn. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa. Thank you, Craig, for your service. And I'm grateful to recover compulsive reader calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And looking back, I was uh, very successful in many areas of my life. But when it came to the food, I failed miserably over and over. And it was getting very progressive by the time I came to my first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. I admitted I was, uh, in my mind, I admitted, but I was embarrassed to raise my hand and say, I, I, you know, I admit I'm powerless, but with inside, I knew how powerless I was over the food and tried to control it for so long, so many years. And I came to the end of me. I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I was ready and I was willing to believe in a power greater than myself to help me. I just did not want to die. And it gave me hope for, for, for the first time in my life. You know, if uh, I surrendered to a power greater than myself and worked the 12 steps, followed the directions the way it's laid out in the big book, I would be recovered, you know. And I was so excited. I was so happy to find that out. For the first time in my lifetime, I found out about the allergy. I had no clue about the allergy. And I knew about the mental obsession because once I ingested, when I put those foods in, my, in me, in my stomach, of course, it followed with a mental obsession. I want more and more. I didn't know how to stop it. And instead of stopping, I probably went back to put some more of that stuff into my body. It was like a vicious circle. So um, I just was so, so excited. And uh, I, I, again, I was ready and willing to surrender to a power greater than myself because I didn't want to die. And, you know, my mom died from this disease. You know, I don't want to bring, you know, I don't want to talk about other people, but that was the truth. I saw her, what she went through, all the pain and suffering. She did not have a program, you know. And thank you, God. Thank you, my higher power. I bet she prayed in heavens for me to find the solution. And I'm so grateful, so grateful. And again, I, I had to take an action. I threw myself in the program. I went, I went to any length, and I still do. But at the beginning, I was going here and there, praying, you know, every time the food thought came in my mind. To, oh, that's my time. Thank you very much for letting me share. And I pass. It works. It's a miracle. And I pass. Thanks, Vasa. <clears throat> okay, Lorraine. Your turn, Lorraine. Did I get that wrong? <clears throat> Is there a Lorraine? Craig, could Maybe have been it was, Lori E. Could have been Lori E. Go ahead. Okay, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Craig. I'm so pleased that you heard me. I wasn't sure that you had. Um, mm -hmm. I'm Lori E. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Iowa. 
a power greater than myself willing to believe, you know, I loved and I took so much of my self-worth as being um, seen as competent and could handle my life and was in control. And, and there's nothing I enjoyed more than someone telling me that, um, oh, you can handle whatever and you always get things done and we can count on you. And I just, I took so much pleasure from that. And so part of it wasn't a belief in a power. Part of it was really just admitting that that power was greater than me and that I couldn't be the one to try to control everything. I couldn't be the one to try to make everything right and everything work. I'm just so grateful for this program to help me see that it's not just a matter of um, a belief in something out there, but it's really that idea that that, bo- that that power is greater than me and that I have to turn to that power for the things in my life. So I'm just so grateful for that. So grateful that you heard my name this morning um, and I pass. Well, uh, thank you, Lori. All right, Carmela G, your turn. Thank you so much, Craig. This is Carmela G from New York. Um, I uh, I'm going to focus this morning on on the the last sentence because it has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone. A wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. And I fought being in program for years, for decades. But once, once I finally got it and allowed myself to admit that there was a power greater than myself. Imagine a power greater than Carmela. And... Restore me to sanity. Imagine admitting that I was a nut job, a real nut job, trying to control the whole world and everyone in it and all of my family. But once I did that, the light went on. And each day, if I work this program, the cornerstone is in place. That's step one and two. Just that cornerstone starts, and with that, if I continue every single day working this program and working these steps, I climb the beautiful ladder so that I can stay connected and stay out of the darkness and in the sunlight. And this is what step one and two have done for me. Because I always believed in a God, but I also always told him how to perform. But today, I didn't ever want in the past to not have power. That was weak and a wuss and ugh. But today, I realize if every day I connect, and I see my source of power and allow my source of power to guide me. It's a beautiful life, and he gives me power to follow his steps. And with that, I pass, and I thank you all. Thank you, Carmela. Janice, Yes, thank you. Oh. 
this other thing is just a moment. Thank you so much, Craig. Okay, can you, is it clear now? Yeah, it's clear now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, my name is Janice PM, and I'm a grateful compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Well, you know, this is us going into step two. Now, I don't know about you, but I know when I came in, I thought, oh, gee, they're talking about a God, and I have to have a God, and I have to believe in a God. And um, I'm saying to myself, huh, my knowledge, I have one. So I thought I was all set. You know, I was better. I had it. I had it really done that I had a God. But of course, I didn't really have one. I just had myself thinking that there was a God on the side, and I was the higher power. So we, you know, we heard it this morning when I forget who said it. But the main thing for me that I have to be at a conclusion state of mind that I'm done. I can't do this thing. Uh, food is not my, my solution. And it was my solution to all my life problems. And um, I, with my intelligence, ha, 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 the absolute knowledge was my higher power. And God, God and spirituality, uh, you know, it was kind of a meaningless academic exercise. It was like, yeah, okay. But it says came to. So in this step, some of us have a higher power and some of us don't. But what's going to happen? It's going to infiltrate my life, this higher power, if, if I come to the conclusion that I can't do this myself. There's no control in me left. To, to control the amount of food that I eat, because I've tried that many times, or control the idea that when I'm stopped and I'm dieting, I have to go back to that food. Those are the two things that I couldn't do. It never worked out. So I had to conclude that, you know what? I have to find something else. So what did I do? I came to OA. That was my higher power in the beginning. Oh, oh, way. They're talking about losing weight and trying to control, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, I didn't do the steps. But I came to OA. Then I came to get a sponsor that who was my higher power back 30 years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, which was incorrect because they were human. And I got in a lot of trouble with that. But anyway, then I, the sponsor, I came to the 12 steps. So you see how it's infiltrating my life slowly. I can't tell you the day. I can't tell you the time. And then that power came to me. I received that power. And then I had faith in that power. So it all started with me willing to believe that, of course, that I'm powerless, that I'm not the power. And uh, with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Dawn, your turn. Thank you so much, and thank you for your service. I'm Dawn S. from Delaware. And I, um, when I first came in, the word God rankled. I was raised puritanically by older grandparents on both sides. Um, and they the one side especially, which is uptight Victorians. And um, 
I hear people come in and they're angry at God. I I was not angry at God. I just felt hopelessly unworthy um, because I felt sorrow and not joy. Um, I couldn't feel their God. I tried and I tried, um, but I I didn't feel what they felt. Um, and I had known that my higher power was the universe from the time that I knew anything at all, touching leaves, touching walking barefoot uh, as a child, um, little teeny. Um, I remember arguments about me going out of the house and not putting shoes on, you know, people chasing after me to, to get me. Um, and uh, I, I just, uh, it, it was so spiritually freeing to come to this program. And after I got past the fact that um, I didn't have to believe their God anymore. And of course I felt guilty because I didn't believe their God anymore. Um, the permission that this uh, spiritual program gave me to express myself and join with um, the higher power of my understanding was absolutely, um, uh, it's inexpressible um, to to be able to to have that spiritual um, experience. And it was a lightning bolt experience. And I'll just uh, close with saying that uh, my sponsor in the beginning said, you just have to be willing to be willing. I couldn't even be willing at first. I just needed to be willing to be willing. And with that, I will pass. Okay, thanks, Dawn. Um, we have less than a minute, so we're going to go ahead and just uh, close this thing out. Um, all right. Uh, thanks to everyone that shared. Please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today is 13,264-13264. Um, we'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Cindy D. Uh, please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only through Keep You Until Then. Cindy? Hi, Craig. This is Cindy. Cindy D. Gratefully Recovered in Texas. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great things will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.